the church as it were. When founded by Christ Jesus, it's an extension of God's kingdom and heart, coming to a literal term, a colony of God's kingdom. That's why Jesus Christ had to come and establish it. And the first mention of the word church was in Matthew chapter 16, verse 18. Jesus said, And I say unto thee, that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail over it. And here Jesus is establishing some things. One, the foundation of the church, and two, the revelation of the fact that we are not alone on this side of God's kingdom, and that we have an adversary. Taking this point one after the other, the foundation of the church. From that same Matthew chapter 16, Jesus was asking an important question that determines a lot. He asked, Who do men say that I, the son of man, am? After some stories were given, he then asked again, But whom say ye that I am? Then an answer came up in Matthew chapter 16 and verse 16. And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus said this answer was revealed to Peter from God. Now, upon this, Jesus is trying to tell us the revelation that Jesus is the, is the, is the Christ, the Son of the living God, will the church be built. I repeat, upon the revelation that Jesus is the Christ and the Son of the living God, will the church be built. Note, not on Peter. Now coming to the second point the adversary because jesus is making us uh, is revealing to us that we are not alone revealing to us that way jesus said and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it that was when he was speaking in matthew chapter 16 verse 18 the b part and the gate of hell shall not prevail against it jesus is not silent as to the fact that we have an enemy against us as citizens of god's kingdom and against the church jesus is now revealing that the stability of the kingdom of God on heart against the adversary is from the revelation of him to us. And for this stability to be maintained undisrupted, there is a need for a constant unbiased connection and compliance with the modus operandi of the kingdom which we represent. That's why the book of Hebrews chapter 12 verse 1 and verse 2 says, Wherefore, seeing we are also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. It's so saddening when some of our Christian leaders uh, fall off the feet. Many people tend to fall with them because many of us are looking up to them as role models as we walk through the path of faith. That is why it is important for us to pray for our Christian leaders and also for ourselves. Although uh, the tragedy here shouldn't be because Apostle Paul revealed to us from 1 Corinthians chapter 11 verse 1. He said, Be ye followers of me, even as high also am of Christ. So follow your leader 
as long as he or she is a follower of Christ. Today in the body of Christ, we have a lot of partition here and there, which ought not to be. A lot of conflict of ideologies which has hindered God, permit me to say, in full expression in some areas. And through this medium, the adversary has found his way into the church. And now, what ought not to be in the church is now the one in vogue. Now, there are a lot of alternative gospels out there, a lot of dissension in the Christian faith. When there is just one Lord and one Spirit, just one Lord and one Spirit. We have succeeded in complicating Christianity today. Christianity is just a, is the revelation of the life of God and man. That's why the church universal has produced more confused Christian than sound ones. We have succeeded in complicating Christianity today. That's why the church has produced more confused Christians than sound ones. I am sure we are not ignorant as to the mess that is going on in the church today in several places. The enemy has seized this opportunity to frustrate the effort of Christ over the church, which he has succeeded and still succeeding. Satan will not succeed over us in Jesus' name. The product of this attack over the church today has caused many to be in the church, but very, very few people in Christ. We have found a way to lower the standard of the kingdom we ought to represent fully, to accommodate the territory we are. I'll take it again. We have found a way to lower the standard of the kingdom we ought to represent fully, just to accommodate the territory we are. This is not a problem that started now. It has been since very long time ago, even at the early church. The situation in the church today can be likened to the story of the Israelites, Israel and Judah. A lot of things have been going on in the land of Israel that the Lord was unhappy with. Since Jeroboam caused Israel to sin, and other kings seldom obeyed and walked in the ways of the Lord. This has been the trend. When God has been, what God has been doing before is just to punish the king alone and then reduce the dominion of his government. This was also similar trend in Judah. It got to an extent that the Bible recorded that the Lord was angry with Israel and removed them out of his sight. There was none left but the tribe of Judah only. I will find that in 2 Kings chapter 17, verse 18. It also got to a stage too with Judah that God also was unhappy with them. 2 Kings chapter 17, verse 19 to 20, I read. Also Judah kept not the commandments of the Lord their God, but walked in the statuses of Israel which they made. And the Lord rejected all the seed of Israel and afflicted them and delivered them into the hand of spoilers until he had cast them out of his sight. God has been bearing with them over time, but they took him for granted by their turnout. So he opened them up to be spoiled and permitted them to be carted away into exile. Nevertheless, the covenant of God remains intact. Find out in Genesis chapter 17, verse 7 and 8. This was when God was promising Abraham. I read Genesis chapter 17, verse 7 to 8. And I will establish my covenant between me and thee, and I seed after thee 
in their generations for an everlasting covenant to be a God unto thee and to thy seed after thee. And I will give unto thee and to thy seed after thee the land wherein thou art a stranger, all the land of Canaan, for an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. That's why God always remembers Israel to bring them out of bondage, out of exile. In like manner as the Lord permitted the church to be removed from his sight today, the church has lost its course and therefore we lost our course, the path to which God has defined for us. The church has failed Christ. The advantage we have is that we are in a more better covenant which guarantees that the gifts of God are without repentance or they are irrevocable. Despite the investment of Christ upon the church, the greatest havoc caused before God comes from the church. You might want to ask how. It is still bearable and understandable when an outsider insults or assaults you. But it's a great pain when your own child, a grown-up child that you can that you can trust very well, one day looks at you and says you are a fool. From a very serious stance, such a parent will be wounded and be infuriated beyond measure. It would have been better if all the abominations today are happening outside church, after the church, which is God's colony on earth. But more worse atrocities are happening in the church today. God has been trying to bring us back to our first love before him, but we have been proving unresponsive. Therefore, like Nebuchadnezzar, God has sent us away from the throne into the wilderness. It calls for God's wisdom to understand this season. It would have been better, more better, even before God, if the church never returned. Brother, I'm not being sarcastic here. I am a citizen of God's kingdom by His grace and also a member of the body of Christ. So this is not in any way resentment. But God sees an opportunity like this to restore us back to our cause, restore us back to our path, back to our first love. But because of God's word, in Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, And I say unto thee, and I say also unto thee, that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Jesus is the rock which cannot be defeated. Therefore, like the Israelites and similar to Nebuchadnezzar's, there will be a restoration. Satan is seemingly winning now, but God is restoring his saints, the elect, more powerful than ever before. Glory to God. A restoration and reinstation. A greater glory than ever before. A bigger hit on the kingdom of darkness than that Satan has never seen. Brethren, I'm not saying this just to stir up enthusiasm. But for us to open up our hearts in anticipation to God, for us to approach this with a better understanding and preparation than just the euphoria of it. This storm will soon be over. This storm will soon be over. This plague will be gone. And the saints of God will be restored. But something different will happen. Restoration will happen. But being reinstated will not be general. Many people will lose their positions before God. I don't mean religious position. It is very far from it. 
a revival will break out. And most of the tools and vessels God will use are not the ones we know now. Majority of them will not be the ones we know now. Because there is going to be a shift. The tools God will use will be even unexpected ones. Those who will consciously, those who will consciously prepare themselves and those who will return with a renewed understanding similar to Nebuchadnezzar's experience because all those who went into a hexile will not be the same as those who will return. The tools God will use and the vessels God will use for the revival, those who will be ready to comply with God's undiluted instructions and will not be like Achan who went into the battlefield and turned to the riches of Babylon, those who will be like Paul and see the cause of Christ as a covenant and say, woe is me if I preach not the gospel. Those who will be like Nehemiah, who will be bent on repairing every breach. God is still going to and fro just to seek those with a perfect heart. And even now, he is still searching for those who will forsake all, deny themselves, take up their cross and follow Jesus. And we see God's purposes more valuable than their lives. We can read Matthew chapter 16, verse 24 to 25 concerning that. Are we following me, please? God is searching desperately for those who will lay aside every weight and the sin that easily beset them and run with patience the race that is set before them. God is ready for revival. God is ready for revival. And he is enlisting those who will do away with all dissenting gospels and doctrines and run with the true light of the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Will he find you ready? My brothers and my sisters, will he find you ready? Will the Lord find you ready, my dear brother? Will the Lord find you ready, my dear sister? Ready like Elisha to follow the cause of Christ anywhere and be sensitive to the timings and the seasons of God. Brethren, God is calling out today for you and her to please return back to our first love. The time is running out. Jesus loves us more than we can ever think of. So it is high time to do away with the frivolities of the world and the church supposedly today and come back to the feet of the cross and purge our vessels, purge ourselves and patiently await the revisitation of our master.